Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Fair Voice. I'm your host, Hannah Syriac, Fair Voice's Fair Mormons podcast, and I am so excited to be back with you today. We're entering into the summer months, which means I have more time. Therefore, we're going to have uploads on a more regular schedule again. I apologize for the splotchy uploads. We'll be back to it. It'll be fantastic. Today, we're talking about the film Mission Stories, which is in theaters. But we have some other exciting interviews coming up this summer. Just to give you a little bit of preview on this, we're going to talk a bit about Fowler's Model next week, which will be very exciting. We are going to have a series of interviews on the Interpreter Foundation's movie about the witnesses uh, to the Book of Mormon. That should be very exciting. Um, So please tune into the podcast. It'll be a great time. I'm very excited. We are going to launch right into it today after our two first segments. The first segment is someone suggested that I suggest a book every single time we do one of these podcasts. And I thought this is a fantastic way to keep myself accountable for reading books, a fantastic way to suggest books to you. The first book that I am going to suggest to you is available in our bookstore, in the Fair Bookstore. You can get it there. It's called Making Sense of the Doctrine and Covenants, a guided tour through modern revelations. This is written by Stephen Harper. Stephen Harper has been on the podcast, as you know. Great guest. This is a fantastic book. The reason that I think you should read this book is because this is... Uh, a tour of the revelations that refers back to the manuscripts of the revelations. Historical context is given and it is a very accessible read. I think it is fantastic for studying Come Follow Me and I think that you'll really appreciate it. I really appreciate it. And again, you can get it in the Fair Bookstore. So that's my book recommendation of the week to start us off. And the question that I got asked this week, and remember, you can send me your questions. Send them to me, hcreac at fairmormon.org. That is H-S-E-A-R-I-A-C at fairmormon.org. Send me your questions. The question of the week is, what was my favorite general conference talk? The answer would be honestly all of them because I love them all. Probably my, my favorite right now would be Elder Stevenson's talk. I really like talks about kindness and inclusivity. I find them to be very valuable for looking at my own paradigm of faith. Um, That was the talk that has stood out to me most after the sessions in terms of the talk that stood out to me most during the sessions. Elder Uchtdorf's or Elder Anderson's were both very deeply influentially impactful upon me. Um, Let me know what your favorite general conference talk is, too. I would love to know. Today, we're going to be talking about the movie Mission Stories. The the, the fact that we're talking about a movie on here might seem a little bit different to you. I'm very excited to talk about this movie. I think it is a fantastic movie. I had the opportunity to watch it. I can endorse it. And I'm very excited that the guests wanted to come on. This was a very last-minute interview, but it turned out fantastic. I think you'll really enjoy it. Um, I would like to just give my recommendation, my personal recommendation of the movie. Um, I think it's really important to to support church media content. And I'll talk a bit more about this with the Witness Film too. Something that I like to say is that if we want to spread the gospel, we have to support people spreading the gospel. I think it's really important to support good books, good podcasts, good artwork, good movies. We need to put our dollar 
where we want to have more content created. And I think movies are a fantastic way of doing this. And the reason that this is apologetics in a sense is because we're seeing that the people creating these movies are people of faith, people that are putting their heart and their soul into this media creation. And I think that that's a good testament of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We see the real lived experience of these individuals coming across in movies in a very strong way. And with that being said, we're going to just jump right into it today. Bryce and Monica, could you please introduce yourselves to our audience? Starting with Bryce. Um, sure. I'm Bryce Clark. I'm a filmmaker and author, and I feel very privileged to be here talking about this new movie, uh, Mission Stories. I am Monica Moore-Smith. I'm a full-time film actress, and I'm also a, a social media content creator, especially around um, abuse and divorce within the LDS community. Awesome. I'm so excited to talk to you both today. So we're going to be talking about the movie Mission Stories. Bryce, how did you come up with the concept for this movie? So about two years ago, Desert Book came to me and said, would you be interested in developing a TV series about true stories from the mission field? And I thought, hmm, an alcoholic who did not serve a mission. I don't know that I'm... <laughs> <laughs> the right guy for this. Um, but but I, I took it on and started developing it. And then, to be honest, and there's no real way to tell this story without revealing this, my life kind of fell apart. I was an alcoholic who was not in recovery. And so I, I ended up going into treatment for three months at a facility. And I assumed that like my involvement with the project was over. But Art Van Wagenen at Deseret kept in touch with me as far as he could when I was in treatment and encouraged me to keep developing the project. And I realized in treatment that I actually had a mission story that I was part of and that I was actually living out the completion of in real time. And that became the chapter in, in the movie known as Full Circle, which I started to write while I was in treatment. And then the other two stories we got from a dinner that we had with a bunch of mission presidents and their wives. And then another writer, Crystal Myler, brought another story, the story of Chuck, which she and I wrote. And um, I wrote the other two, uh, Hermanos and Full Circle. So the characters are all based on real people and the situations in the film happened. Um, you know, we've taken some artistic liberties, but the, the sort of main thrust of those stories are true. That's one of the things that I find most compelling about the film is you can tell that it's, it's about real people, that there's this real personal dimension to it that just really warms your heart when you watch it. Um, how did you prepare to write and direct this, this film? That would be really hard to kind of get into the weeds there. Yeah, it was so... I always saw myself as a filmmaker who happens to be LDS. Um, I never wanted to work in that genre, telling LDS stories, because I don't, I don't know. I was, well, first of all, I was an alcoholic, so my thinking was, wasn't exactly always the clearest. But in my mind, I planned to, like, go make all these other movies that were secular and whatever. 
And then maybe someday when I'm old, I'll maybe tell an LDS story. And as I sort of of started writing the script for the first chapter, I realized that I am an LDS filmmaker and that's okay. And that's actually great. Um, And so, I, I mean, I think that like my whole life kind of prepared me to sort of work on these stories. You know, we, we, we put together dozens of stories that we could tell. And we realized that we had three that were thematically linked with themes of uh, recovery, redemption, forgiveness, and that they would make a great anthology film. And while we waited for the new Deseret streaming platform to launch, which the series will be on, we thought we could launch the Mission Stories brand with a feature film in theaters, an anthology film of three stories. Awesome. Yeah, I, I really loved the, the themes of recovery and redemption. Before this, I was talking to Bryce about my uncle. So my uncle um, was addicted to drugs and alcohol for many years. Uh, most of my family is not Latter-day Saint. Um, and when he went through his recovery process, that's when he found God too, is, is seeing God as someone who rescued him from that. And I, I think that that's what makes this really compelling to me is seeing the individual ways that God rescued people. Monica, how did you become involved in Mission Stories? Well, it was, it was a fairly classic film introduction of just, I, with an agency, TMG, they um, gave me the audition for, I think I actually auditioned I can't, for at least two different characters, maybe three, I don't remember. Um, right. I know at least two different ones. And I, you know, you get the portion of the script and um, a little gist of kind of what the character is. And I submitted my auditions and then I don't know how long it was afterwards. Um, I heard back that I had been cast and especially during COVID and stuff, um, you don't usually do like the, the full callbacks and all of that. So it was kind of like got cast and then showed up on set and got to know everyone. And yeah, it was, it was, they probably wanted some other actress, but you know, compromise they went with me. So <laughs> that's completely false. <laughs> we don't think you're great. Like I, oh, I will never forget you in Elder Uchtdorf's Mormon message. That's just, oh my that was gosh. my first introduction. So <laughs> That, that was my first introduction to the film, too. That, that's OG. That goes way back. <laughs> <laughs> was your preparation for Mission Stories different than other movies that you've been involved in, Monica? What did you do to prepare? Um, I mean, I feel like it was fairly similar in many aspects of, like, I like to do my homework. I'm kind of nerdy in that way of I want to know my character's whole backstory, and I have like a little notebook that I like track all that down in. I'm very like, I like to write everything down and kind of come up with, cause you get what's in the script, but then you have to kind of as an actor come up with the finer details and the nuances within that. But I actually haven't been on a mission. I was someone who like got married really young, and like didn't do that. Um, but it's something I, I've always thought about and like, what would that be like? So I definitely have so many friends that have been on missions that have had a very, a variety of experiences. So a lot of it was really just looking into the mission experience, asking my friends what it was like, the different companions they had, how they had to deal with different companions, because a lot of my characters arc involves uh, conflict between companions. Um, <laughs> 
my character I feel like causes a lot of that conflict um so I think that that was a big thing was trying to catch up on the the mission experience that I didn't have which was really cool actually to kind of learn more about that because uh, I myself didn't go on a mission so um it was it was really really cool to kind of dig into that this might be the only interview where all of us did not serve missions. This never happened. I, I love it. I Represent. love it. You know, because I think one of the things for me was that this, the mission stories, at least for me in my, my view, redefined what it meant to serve a mission in a lot of ways. I think we see an expansion of that with each of the characters. Um, Bryce, I want to hear more about the experiences that you had that led you to write these particular stories because the stories are amazing yeah well i mean i had my story which i was a part of and i wrote the scripts as began it as part of my treatment and the thing that was really powerful to me was how in my mind this story that i was a part of i had really nothing to do with i was just in it but seeing it from the big picture from beginning to end realized that like oh wow like this was in large part about me too and I played a role in it and the ultimate sort of end of the story that we tell is me getting treatment and and how the events of my involvement in the story which involves when I was 19 I did not serve a mission for a multitude of reasons um, it was not a choice that I made to not serve. I just was told, yeah, you, you're not going to be able to do that. Um, and so while I was not serving a mission, I sort of accidentally shared the gospel with a friend of mine, and he wanted to take discussions. And one of the missionaries assigned to him hit it off. They hit it off. And then this missionary went back to Utah, and his life completely fell apart with addiction and mental illness and suicide attempts and all these different things and then I got a phone call from this friend saying hey do you remember this elder that taught me back you know 20 years ago and I was like yeah and my friend was like well I'm rebaptizing him and I knew nothing about what was going on over the 20 years that my friend had been in touch with this missionary reminding him even as he left this missionary left the church that he had taught my friend the gospel that he really does know the church is true deep deep down and um, they invited me to go to lunch a couple of days before the baptism. And this missionary shared his story of recovery from addiction and the help that he got and different things like that. And it opened this idea in my mind that if he can get help and be healthy, maybe I could too. Um, and so that was like my connection to that story. And then as we were picking the other stories, both Chuck and Hermanos, which are the other two chapters, deal with people who have issues of self-doubt and um, seeing themselves as unworthy of the gospel. And um, one of the things that I learned over the course of making these stories is that that is, that, that is not a true idea. The gospel isn't like something that you qualify for. Um, that arm of mercy that Christ extends to us 
is open to every single person that's ever lived and that will ever live. And that's true. Um, and as, as I sort of stood back from these stories and looked at all the different ways that the Lord's hand was involved in the lives of each person in the stories, you realize he's really involved. The Lord is really involved. And things that you could look at as like a coincidence or a random thing actually have deeper meaning than that. And when we have eyes to see um, the Lord's hand in our lives, it becomes really clear um, how much he cares about each of us individually. No one higher or lower than the other, all equal in his eyes and all deeply worthy and deserving of his love. I've talked about this a few times on my show too, where I felt like I didn't qualify for the gospel. I felt like that my background made it so that I would never fit in with the Utah pioneer ancestry uh, vibes. And when I got out to Utah, that was really difficult for me. But what you said just now about the gospel being for everyone and the gospel not being something that we qualify for, but a free gift from Christ that we can't we can't ever qualify for that. And he just gives us salvation, not, not out of anything, but pure love for us. That to me is one of the, the most life-changing messages that I think we could really internalize is that it doesn't matter where you are, who you are, that you're still a child of God. And with that being said, Monica, your character is interesting. I was watching I was watching the movie and it reminded me, uh, my friend's probably going to listen to this, but she's fine. I asked her beforehand, my friend, when she went on her mission, had kind of that same phase <laughs> and it reminded me of that and she, she grew, out, grew out of it. Can you tell us a little bit yeah. about your character and how you connected with your character? <laughs> well, we're exactly the same. Uh, gosh, I hope not. But, um, you know, the, the thing that I love probably the most about acting and if you guys haven't seen the film, I think watching and knowing my character, I think from the outside, um, anyone could look at that and go, oh, like she's like maybe the villain. Like if there were a villain, she might be the villain, um, according to like Sister Washington, the, the main missionary we're following and my character, Sister Zeller. But the beautiful thing with acting is that I think it is one of the best exercises in empathy and charity without judgment. Because, well, from the outside you go, okay, well, she's a stuck up brat. <laughs> really, I have to look at Sister Zeller and I have to step in her shoes and truly understand where she's coming from and why she justifies the choices she makes and understand that she comes just from a place of naivete. And I, I definitely, I have to humble myself enough to go, okay, how have I been like this in my life? How do I relate to these aspects of her and to not come from a place of judgment, but of empathy, which is what Christ does. And so I feel like it's a, when you do it correctly, it's truly a really good exercise. And I feel like for me, something that helped me step in Sister Zella's shoes while I haven't been on a mission, A, it forced me to learn a lot about um, missions and going on this fake mission essentially. But um, kind of with me, it's like, well, you know, more recently I went through a divorce and experienced abuse. And I feel like up to that point, kind of my life was a little more like 
rosy and stereotypically like, oh, Mormon, perfect lifestyle in Utah, born and raised, things are dandy, things typically, you know, went well, I was successful, blah, blah, blah. And then going through this really like was a huge humbling, like smack in the face. Um, and I feel like that's kind of Sister Zeller's that she's not like, she's not a bad person. I, I think you go back and forth watching this movie of like, no one's a villain, no one's a bad person. We're all just coming from our experience. And sometimes it takes um, either things being put in our path for us to humble ourselves or just to see things from a different side. And it definitely took me learning the hard way going through the divorce to kind of see a whole new side of um, spiritual trials, of questioning, of uh, Bryce and I had talked about this earlier of like everyone goes through their own Gethsemane and it really forces you to kind of also truly empathize with other people. And I think that's something you have to be able to do to be a good missionary is to empath empathize above all else. Because if you're coming from a side of this is wrong with you, change this, I'm better then that's, that's not, that's not Christ-like and that's not going to bring anyone closer to connecting with our heavenly parents. Um, and so I, I think just understanding that um, Sister Zeller is coming from like kind of a pre-Gethsemane moment and you do get to see her go on that journey of kind of learning. And, you know, she's just like, she's young and naive and I think we've all been there. And I think it's easy for us to look at that and go, wow, like, and to judge that person. But I think we've all had that at points in our life. And I definitely think I was like, parts of me was like, oh, Sister Zeller, don't like, don't love that. But also I've definitely been you. And, um, and I think that's a beautiful thing is that every character, there are parts you loved and parts you might not like partly because you might see yourself in aspects of them in their imperfections. And like, that's the beautiful thing about the stories that it's all about grace. Like people have enough grace to understand we all deserve love in our duality. I love that. And I, I do think one of the, the best parts of your character is that she breaks the mission rules. I'm not endorsing breaking the mission rules, but I liked that that was in there because there's a lot of missionaries who I know who broke the mission rules and who really yeah. suffered a lot of shame from that in ways that made it hard for them to continue their mission but you yeah. see that she's able to sort of get herself together after after that and I, I loved that part um yeah I think that that's a good I don't know it was it was fun you know it's yeah, there's, <laughs> there's this so here's one of the things that made this project challenging is that because of COVID there were no in-person rehearsals there was no I mean auditions there was no rehearsal time um, and so when I saw Monica's audition, the thing that I liked about it was, and I hoped I was right, you can test this out when, when you can audition in person, but when, it, when someone is just auditioning on tape, you kind of go with your gut. And what I saw in Monica was that, okay, she looks like she should star in every LDS movie ever made. Like she just looks, that's what she looks like. But in her eyes, there was something beneath that. And I hoped I was right. And 
as soon as she got on set and started working, it was clear that that's true. Um, there's, I was worried about her character because she is the foil or the villain of that story. And I wanted there to be a moment where that switches. And it, I didn't feel like it was in the story yet. And so just a few days before we started shooting, um, I rewrote this scene where we kind of learn like, why, why is she breaking these rules? And there's a moment and it's one of those things where like, in your mind, you hope that the cast does it perfect and that you don't have to say anything. That's the, for me, that's the best thing ever. And when she did that scene, um, the only thing that I told her was, whatever that is, go with it. And I knew nothing about her past, absolutely nothing. Um, but she obviously has like this depth of character that she was able to tap into because in that moment where she sort of expresses her vulnerability and like why she's doing this, for me, it's one of the most powerful moments in the film. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people, it will just sort of be, okay, I understand. But for me, it was really important that we see that when people break rules, there's usually something underneath that. It's not just that people are bad or that, or that they want to break a rule. There's usually something that they're, that's missing in them that they're looking for um, or that they're afraid of losing. And that fear and vulnerability that she brought to the character for me is like, I don't understand how acting works. I don't really believe that anybody does. It's just, there are people who can do it and have that gift. And when you find them, you like, it's just, it's, it's the best feeling in the world because it's like watching someone play an instrument that you can't play. It seems like magic. Um, and in fact, I was so impressed with Monica that I'm developing this new film idea with her um, that I'm really hopeful we get to do. And I think that we will. Um, because it's just one of those things like people who can do something really, really well, it's a rarity. And so when you find one, it's kind of like, oh, I'd like to do that again. That's awesome. And that moment of vulnerability was one of my favorites throughout the film too. I actually wrote about it in my journal. So <laughs> one person. Oh, shoot. So I'm, <laughs> I'm uh, very flattered. Thank you. Anytime. Grace, one of the things that I really loved about Mission Stories was that they're seemingly disparate stories that are bound together by these similar themes and key parallels. Could you talk more about what the themes are and why you picked those themes? So the themes are very similar in terms of like recovery, redemption, and faith. But the thing that stood out to me about these three stories and why I think they fit perfectly together as an anthology is time. They all, some of the things that happen are immediate, they're happening as you watch, but all of them involve a character whose sto story and conversion takes place over years, in some place, decades. And it just showed me, and I think stood out to me in my mind, how involved the Lord is and how he never gives up ever. He, he just, 
he just never gives up on us, no matter what we're doing. And no matter how bad we might feel about ourselves or things that we've done, um, if we're willing to look, he's always there. And I like that idea that it's conversion is rarely a moment, you know, it's a process. And there are unbelievable, powerful moments that are part of that. But it's something that sometimes takes time. And I like that part about these stories is how, now we don't see all of the, that portrayed in, on film, but, but it's sort of in backstory or with full circle, it actually does involve characters aging quite a bit. Um, but I like that idea. Um, the theme that uh, the Lord never gives up. I love that. And I love talking about conversion as a process too. That was one of the things that I liked most about the, the film too, is just portraying it in that way, because you're right. Conversion never really is this big moment. It's a lifelong pursuit. Monica, you've touched on this a little bit. I want to talk about it a little bit more though. So your character undergoes a bit of a conversion process. Um, I want to talk about how it felt for you to act that out, but also want to talk about your own conversion and how you relate to your character in some ways and what it was like for you to undergo conversion processes. Um, well, I mean, like Bryce was saying, like it is, I think the older I've gotten, I keep feeling like, uh, you know, I, I would hit a point where I'd be like, okay, I have a solid understanding. Like I know everything I'm good. Like, okay, now I got it. Like I'm mature, you know, like I'm a real adult. I figured it out. I'm solid. And then something happens and then it's all shattered. And then I have like an identity crisis, a faith crisis. And you know, this happens like once a month. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's a constant, like it is, I, I feel like I've realized like it's, it's really a muscle and it's really, and I, and I think there's many aspects of Sister Zeller that I relate to of like, of, of with this struggle with like, well, why is this this way? And this bothers me. And the, the questioning and the, um, you know, maybe not being feeling like, oh, well, I, I feel like Sister Zeller struggles with feeling like, well, I'm never gonna be that perfect Sister Washington or that, I feel like it's like this Mormon syndrome or LDS syndrome of like never good enough. <laughs> and um, I think the, sorry, I, um, I think the biggest thing for me in my conversion process, because no matter what, like there's always going to be constant, I guess, shattering of the ceiling of here's a new thing that I didn't know that I still don't understand, or this doesn't make sense to me. As you get older and you go through more experiences and life gets harder, um, that in the end, I feel like my testimony has almost become more simplified in the sense that I, I realized more and more, and especially seeing all these different people on this project who have so many different varied experiences and who have gone through things or maybe you could say gone further down a certain path um if you know technically speaking and i've realized like at the end of the day the thing that keeps me wanting to go through this conversion process is 
Christ's love. Because at the end of the day, the little things don't matter as much as as long as I know that there is someone out there who truly understands me and who loves me perfectly, even though I am imperfect. And that is something that I hold to so strongly, especially seeing, I, I have so many times where I'm like, well, I, I'll never be good enough. And I'm never, I'll never like reach my potential. And there's so many things I see by myself that like, I'm, you know, I talked to my friends about this the other day of like, I can't go yet because I have so much that I need to do that I haven't done. And I don't feel ready to like go to God yet, but then I have to remember and, and seeing kind of the story of Chuck and like seeing where this, these other people have gone and that God does not withhold love based on our circumstances or our choices, that it is infinite. And if we just grasp that, all these little things would dissipate. They wouldn't matter. And for me, that's my constant conversion is there's a lot of stuff I don't understand. I don't want to sit here and act like I've got it all perfect and I'm perfectly converted all the time because I'm not. But this, if there's any part of my testimony that to my dying day, I know it is that. And that is the thing that gives me peace so that I can sleep at night. And um, yeah, I think being on the set and working with these people and having to recreate this process of the atonement and conversion really kind of forced me to reckon with that of, well, how does one person get from A to B? And it's, it's through Christ. I love that, especially because I think you, you hit on a really important point, which is that our conversion is more to do with our personal relationship with Christ than it is to do with understanding things one at a time. I feel like um, one of my favorite parts of the film was when Chuck asked about the Book of Mormon and he asked, how do you feel about it? How do you feel about it? That was one of my favorite questions because it really, it really hit me in, in, a, in a new way that I, you know, I spent a lot of time thinking about Book of Mormon geography and I spent a lot of time thinking about like little little parts of the Book of Mormon and it reminded me that I haven't thought about how I feel about it in a while and and that relationship with my savior is what my experience should be centered on so it was that was a very impactful moment for me and I think you really got it nailed there with your with what you said about grace um Bryce, I want to know, did this change your perspective on Christ's atonement and grace? How did this help shape your own conversion process and your understanding of Jesus? Well, I was just talking about me personally, because I think that conversion doesn't end with baptism or doesn't end with getting married or going to a temple or there's not like an end point in this life where you're, where you're done being converted because it happens continually. And for me, there were two things that I had to learn to accept. The first was that I need Christ and that I have um, weakness that I need help with. 
And mine, mine, I mean, I have a lot of weaknesses, but the biggest one was like glaringly obvious, even though it took me 20 years to fully see it. Um, but a lot of times our weakness can be subtle, but and maybe we're not even aware of what specifically they are, but just the idea that I need Christ and accepting that, accepting that truth. And then accepting that he actually loves me and just accepting it and not be like, well, maybe if I string together enough days of being amazing, then I'll qualify for his love. It's like, no, he already, that was already decided um, before the world was created. We, we already had it. And then you watch what he did in his life, and there's no greater show of love than what he did through the atonement, which, which, wasn't, which was very specifically for me in the same way that it's very specifically for everyone. And so that idea of acceptance, one of them's like hard, accepting that uh, I need help and that help comes from the savior. And then one of them is extremely joyful, accepting Christ's love and re realizing that his love, you don't feel it. And then if you keep being really, really, really good, you can feel it again. It's like the times when I felt him closest has been some of my darkest times when, you know, logically you would think, well, he's not going to be involved in what's going on over there. That's really bad stuff. And that person's in a dark place. It's like, no, that's sometimes when I feel it the most. And the characters in these stories, um, I think, are symbols of that, of people who learn to accept that they need Christ and then also accept that he actually loves them. I love that. And I, I think that that's really true that we, we sometimes think that Christ will only come to us when we're doing our absolute best. But I like to think of the parable of the prodigal son, right? The prodigal son, uh, when he came to himself, that's, that's my favorite line from there. And then he starts going back to the father. It's not like the father waits for him to get there. The father runs to him and kisses him and hugs him and I think we forget that that God doesn't just come to us when we're doing everything we can God comes to us when we show him that we're we're willing to accept him even when we feel like we can't do everything or even anything um one thing that I want both of you to talk about and we'll start with Monica then go to Bryce um I want to ask you, did anything in your life happen while filming Mission Stories that made this film particularly impactful? And how can you relate this to your greater life experience? Um, <laughs> uh, I would say a lot. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to remember exactly what over the period of filming. I may have still been doing um, like, uh, what's the word? like divorce proceedings at the time. So <laughs> there was there was a lot of this, oh, I have this giant internal struggle. Um, gosh, man, I'm emotional today. <laughs> and then, you know, 
going to like work and um it for me geez wow I can't talk um it was such a blessing to have this come in my life at the time and maybe some people see that as like well don't you want to break but for me it was like I had a place that I could go to that I would wake up and be excited for to like you know it's not just oh here's an acting gig but here's people coming together to try and bring the spirit on set and it didn't matter where we all came from I felt accepted and important and valued and I made some really close friends I still have through this process um and it just for me reminded me kind of of the value of I, I don't know I guess a lot of times I feel like within the church I've seen people that feel like oh well the only thing that the only time you can feel the spirit or the only things that matter is going to church and for me like sometimes the times I feel the spirit the strongest are like when I use my talents or other people have used their talents in ways to bless my life in ways they don't even know and um huh um I think for me it was a way that I could channel a lot of almost in a therapeutic way on top of therapy <laughs> um the the struggles that I was dealing with and the questions that I was dealing with and the grief in, in a productive way surrounded by people who had the same goal in all of our imperfections and struggles. And um, I don't even remember what the question was and what you asked, but um, it's, yeah, it's, it was definitely like, it came at a big time in my life. And I, you know, I, I don't think most people maybe knew the extent of how like fresh things were for me. Um, but it, it was really more of a blessing than I think people knew. And I, it was just a testimony builder to me of God works through people, not just at church, not just when we're praying, but through talents and gifts. And, you know, whether that's Nadia who was playing sister Washington, just like, being a good friend to me, like stuff like that was just really comforting. And it was a catalyst for me to like dive back into feeling hopeful, I guess, again. Thank you. You know, that was, that was a perfect answer. And <laughs> I, I, I find that creative work oftentimes, I don't do creative work in the same sense that you do, but I look at, you know, writing theology and things like that as creative work. I find that so often our life experiences parallel it or influence it in ways that make it better than just if we were to do it in a vacuum where everything is fine. Um, Bryce, can you talk a little bit about the events of your life coinciding with the writing, directing, and filming? Yeah, so like I mentioned, I started writing the script when I was still in treatment. And at the point that I started writing the script, I was going through the initial uh, parts of getting divorced. My wife had come in to see me in treatment and said, we're getting divorced. Um, 
And so I lived with that reality for like two months. And then later on, um, she realized that that's not what she wanted. Um, but so during like development and pre-production of this project, I was working on my marriage like really hard and like not, not knowing if it was gonna end. And then my wife ended up being the production designer on Mission Stories. And so we were able to work together and it kind of like helped heal our marriage. And I know for a fact, there's no way I could have made this movie before I went into treatment and went through that process. And so um, this last year has been like incredibly life-changing working on this. Um, and, you know, the thing that Monica talks about where like, people may not have realized what she was going through but as a director you're so focused on the people that are performing that that there's kind of like an unspoken thing that happens where you can kind of tell when somebody is bringing something or has something within them that's different that has depth and that for me that's what I look for when people are, are auditioning it's not so much like they say the line's great or they look how they're supposed to look I'm looking for like does this person have that thing and the closest thing I can come to describe what it is is empathy um, because in order to portray people that are real there has to be the empathy involved and Monica had that. I just, I was like, okay, this person auditioning is basically Utah's Scarlett Johansson, right? <laughs> and there's something there. I know that there's something there. I don't know what it is. Um, I hadn't, I mean, I hadn't seen her that I'm aware of of anything. Um, so I was like kind of shocked when I saw her audition because I was like, what? Because because we were so low budget, um, we had to cast the and because of COVID, we had to cast the whole film from local talent, and you know so the the net was instead of you know fifty states looking for people, there's one state looking for people, and so like when she, when I saw our audition, I was like okay, um, and it's strange because the movie is all these stories with a bunch of different parts, right? And her part is like seemingly the supporting role in one of the stories. But if her character doesn't work, I don't think the movie works. And I love that like she's, <laughs> when she goes in to, to teach Chuck the first discussion, it's her first time doing this. And she's asked, share your thoughts about the Book of Mormon. And she literally says, the Book of Mormon another testament of Jesus Christ. <laughs> and that's all she's got, that's it. She's a very honest answer for Sister Zeller. <laughs> right, and then Chuck kind of pushes her and is like, yeah, but what do you really think about it? And then she says what she thinks about it. And I just love the way that it was done because you can tell that this character is not comfortable where she is and isn't really comfortable saying further information about what she thinks about it but she has a testimony and 
I didn't want to play up that moment in any way. I just wanted it to exist that like she has a testimony as fragile and as new and as whatever it is, it's there. And it helps Chuck. You know, it, it, there's lots of stuff that happen in a story and in, in, in a movie that are not overt, right? There's subtext. And the subtext of that that I'm talking about, and it happens in full circle with the character based on me, is that if you, if you are the least degree willing to share the gospel, God will use you. And that's true. And so Sister Zeller, even though, you know, she's new and she's whatever, she bore her testimony and that had meaning in the story. I love that. And I love what you said, even if you're the least degree willing, I, I know that that's true. I, I've been impacted by people who are not really at all that willing to share the gospel. And then they mentioned one thing and it just completely changed my world. And they have no idea that they're saying that one thing, I don't know, made, made the biggest difference for me. Um, before we conclude with testimony sharing, which is something I like to conclude with, where can we watch this movie and where can we find your other work? So social media or anything else that you've done that you want to just promote? You know, I love self-promotion, so. Well, the film comes out on May 7th um, in Utah, Idaho, and I think Nevada and Arizona in some theaters. And it will expand more if people go see it this opening weekend, which is May 7th. It starts May 6th for previews in the evening. Um, so you can actually go see it on Thursday night, May 6th, and then it will play as long as people want to keep seeing it, it will keep going. And um, I mean, I have other work that's out there, but I, I really want to keep focused on Mission Stories. Mission Stories comes out May 7th. And if the film, if people like what they see, we're going to make a whole lot more of these things um, in different formats, TV series, future films, podcasts, books, like we want to put put all of these great mission stories out into the world and it starts May 7th. Awesome. I will I will say that if you are um, not really into Utah movies, as I like to put them, if um, the RM or Singles Award is not your thing, this will still be your thing because it's it's not that same type of movie. And I think that that's why it can appeal to such a broad audience. Um, I will say for the purposes of shaming my audience um, in a, in a Christ-like way, as I like to put it, um, we really do need to go see things like this. We need to be committed to supporting good projects. We need to be committed to sharing good projects too. So I would say um, if you want to be able to move forward the work of God, one good way to do it is to support church, church adjacent media, as I like to put it. Monica, where can we find you? You can find me uh, pretty much any platform minus Twitter. I guess I have one. I don't use it. Just Monica Moore Smith, just my name on Instagram and YouTube and TikTok, Gen Z. Um, 
and yeah, I'll be sharing more as the movie comes out and I've already shared about it and I'm just really excited. So if anyone sees it and they want to message me and tell me what they thought or share it and like tag anyone, like Nadia is also on Instagram and plays Sister Washington and we would love to hear your guys' honest thoughts because we'd love to make more stuff like this. So, yeah. And Monica's Instagram is worth following. It's, it, it deals with a lot of um, really hard and serious issues in a very like um, non-depressing way, I guess I should say. (laughs) (laughs) I follow Monica's Instagram, so I second that witness. Uh, (laughs) I would like, (laughs) I would like each of you to just share your testimony in conclusion um, and we'll go Bryce and then Monica on this. Sure. So I've always, I decided for myself in my early 20s that I I knew that the church was true. So that's kind of been like a settled thing in my mind. Um, But it's, I've realized that my testimony um, really was strengthened and um, through my process of recovery. And Sometimes when you're an addict, you have to hit rock bottom in order to get the help that you need. And it was invigorating to have the savior be there at my rock bottom. And I know that he's real and I know that he loves us. And I know that his love is available to all of us. I know that that's true. And um, it's like the character that's based on me, um, talks about when he's drinking, he has a couple of questions. Did Joseph Smith see God in Christ? And two, is the book of Mormon what he says it is? And knowing those two things for me, um, helped me come to know the savior because I do believe that those things are true. Um, I love that. I, for me, like, I, I guess when it comes down to it, the face of my testimony, Oh, I'm going to cry again. Dang it. <laughs> um, is really that my heavenly father and my heavenly mother know me they understand me and christ does and that regardless of you know i i think being in this life it can be hard to feel understood or feel alone and that I think I know that Christ brings me peace and clarity, which is one of the biggest things that I search for in this life. And I know that my heavenly parents love me perfectly in spite of all the things that I may not love myself for. And um, I think at the core of it, 
while I don't know everything, I have lots of questions. Something that stuck to me and something that's in my blessing is that I love uh, the story of Joseph Smith because, not because, oh, he's a perfect omniscient prophet, but because he was just some boy, probably, you know, a naive young boy, not of much status, didn't know a lot, imperfect, but he himself is a huge, important part of the plan. And I know that all of us, there's a quote by, I don't remember which apostle that talks about every single person has an important part of revelation that without them bringing it forth and without them sharing it, it would be lost in this world. And that is one thing like when I've had points in my life where I felt like I don't want to be here anymore, that that has kept me here of knowing that like I have something valuable to bring with God that every single person does and that we all are truly important and valued. And even if we can't see it now, we have light and we can be a vessel for Christ's light to shine and to bring truth and to bring hope to other people that need it. And there have been other people in my life that have helped me feel God's love. And without them, I don't know that I would be here. And so I know that at the end of the day that that love is through the gospel and I find it through that and through all the people that bring that and um, I don't know an eloquent way of wrapping that up other than saying <laughs> in the name of Jesus Christ amen <laughs> that's the most eloquent way to do it and I thought that both of you had so many beautiful things to say here today and I am confident that you will reach people I'm confident that what you're saying about Christ's grace and Christ's atonement is something that needs to be heard by people. And I encourage my listeners to watch Mission Stories. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you. Thank you for having us.